0: The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. All right, you're very welcome along to another RTE Rugby Podcast. Neil Tracy here with you alongside Bernard Jackman and Fiona Hayes. And we have a lot to get through this week because thanks to the uh, TikTok Women's Six Nations moving into their own window, it now means that between pretty much the start of February, and the end of April, you are chock-a-block with rugby, and we're going to get straight into it now, because we're going to recap the men's Six Nations, we're going to talk a little bit about the women's Six Nations, and also hopefully touch on some URC as well, which is obviously back with a bang this weekend, big Interpro, Leinster against Connacht on Saturday. I'll start, Bernard, with yourself, we'll touch on the men's Six Nations, which came to a conclusion there at the weekend, Ireland, with a a comfortable enough, it wasn't the most exhilarating victory against Scotland, but a relatively comfortable victory against Scotland. So, Ireland finish, second place overall, four bonus point wins, a bonus point defeat. Obviously, we all wanted to see Ireland win a championship, Bernard, but like, you know, this was a pretty good effort, all things considered.
1: Yeah, really good championship for us. You, you saw um, the RFU release some some stats there on, on social media, you know, highlighting all the areas that we um we were very impressive in and you know to only lose one game to get a bonus point away to the grand slam winners um the style of play we played and we were comfortably you know comfortable against wales comfortable against scotland um comfortable in the end against england uh and i think there's a real good feel good factor so no a very positive championship it's a big divide The, the you know france and ireland we're a long way ahead of the rest and it'll just be interesting over the next year whether we can stay um, you know keep that gap or whether the likes of England and, and well uh, England for sure the other two are probably in a darker place but um, whether they can catch up and, and make the championship a bit more competitive
0: Well let alone the gap between we'll say Ireland and those below them how do Ireland go about closing the gap between themselves and France like how big is that gap at the moment
1: Um, I think it's bigger than the the, the margin of the defeat in, in, in Paris to be honest. I think that uh I think France have got a lot of uh growth left in them. Um their age profile is very good. They'll get massive confidence from that. They've from that win. They've gone away from home to Cardiff and, and Murrayfield and, and won. Um and obviously next year they've got to go to Twickenham and Dublin. But um I think that's we have a lot of work to do in terms of being able to combat that power game. I mean, there's the perception is that France play brilliant running rugby. They actually don't. They're actually very structured. They kick the ball more than anybody else. Um, they put a the squeeze on you at set piece. But they have individuals who can just, I suppose, go into sixth gear um, at key moments, and one of the stats that was stand, you know, incredible was they're only in the English twenty-two for forty-six seconds at the weekend and scored three tries. Um, I mean that's dangerous. That's that's horrible to try and have to defend against a team with that ability to go from uh, outside the twenty-two, um, get in there and score quickly. I mean, you know, most coaches try and keep teams out of the twenty-two. Um, and, and and work hard on that with France that even isn't a, a tactic so uh, that, that's, that's guaranteed to work so I think that they have a long way to go for us it's finding a little bit more power and, uh, in our front five um, and will we be able to do that in time for the World Cup uh, I'm not sure I would have to start probably in New Zealand this, this tour and I think the fact that Farrell is talking about bringing 42 players getting an extra two games could be, could be really helpful
0: yeah, and it's, you know, it's along the lines of even what, what France would have done in Australia last summer, where they rested a lot of their key players and, you know, were able to expand the squad. But Fiona, to touch again on, on France and maybe the, the distance they are from Ireland at the moment, is there, is there almost a little fear as well that France aren't finished yet, that they're still improving?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think Berner spoke about that age profile. You know, we're we're, we're pinning a lot of hope here on uh, Johnny Sexton saying fit, and and we know where he's at age wise. I think the the French team in general have a a, a very. I think it's about twenty six or twenty seven. Is it the average age of that squad, which is is frightening? Going maybe even a little bit lower going into going into World Cup. uh one more Six g- Nations years, and and then a uh, World Cup. So I think there is there is a massive gap there in, in that power battle but um where what shone true with Ireland I think and um, where I saw a lot of was in that front row and the front row replacements that that we had available for for the six nations Powerfully, that's where we lost out. I think um, the battle around the pitch when we lost the likes of Andrew Porter and Tyke Furlong. Obviously, Dan Sheehan was someone who stood up to the mark. So, so there are a lot of um in the second row as well. I think we felt we've we've put Tyke Byrne in there. I think he's a, a great second row. I think he's he he's brilliant, but there's a lot of people feel that maybe he mightn't he mightn't be as powerful in that scrum behind uh, the the tight head or the loose head, whichever side he's he's pushed in on. So look, it's 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 trying to catch up with. France in that power game, get the guys up to that strength and definitely uh, that trip over to New Zealand, we'll see a lot and with the added games as well, I think it's it's good for squad rotation.
0: Yeah, and it, it was something we spoke about last week as well, Bernard, maybe that, you know, the the depth at the moment in the propping positions is probably the, the one thing Ireland will be looking at over the next 12 months or so, but on the more positive side of things, what's the area of the pitch where you think Ireland have actually really added to their depth over the course of the last 6 to 12 months?
1: Um, a oh, back three. I mean, you know, a year ago, were we sure James Lowe was an international winger? You know, there were certainly worrying, um, examples from, from the England game in particular, where he looked like he, he didn't have the work rate or the concentration. He's bounced back, um, to be a huge part of Ireland. That started in November. Um, Mac Hanson. You know, it's come from nowhere, really. Uh, you know, Connacht obviously brought him in over the summer, but he's come from um, being a, a kind of uh, left field signing to a certain extent to, to playing a, a quite a big role in, in a Six Nations and, and doing really well. And then Hugo Keenan is not new, but wow, in terms of um, his consistency and his importance to the team, you um, I think he's he's nailed on now as being a fullback that you can build a a backline around, and you know obviously Conway did really well as well. So I think the back three is probably the area where we now have the most strength in depth because Ballatloon is coming through. You know, let's see how Stockdale comes um comes back from from injury when he does, and and suddenly you're looking at you know uh, uh probably six or seven Jordan Larmour obviously so six or seven players who you'd have no fear about if they had to play in a in a World Cup. Uh, you know quarterfinal semifinal
0: yeah and in terms of in terms of New Zealand then Fiona over the summer like what what is it that you want to kind of see I was on a call earlier on this morning with uh, Ronan O'Gara he was doing a, a media gig and you know he was obviously being asked about how do you go about adding the depth over the summer at out half as the obvious example because you know we all you're you're kind of expecting that Ronan or that Johnny Sexton is going to be traveling because he's captain It's a year out from a World Cup. It would just be strange if he wasn't. But how do you go about marrying Johnny Sexton into the team and trying to, you know, go, go all out and win a test series in New Zealand, while at the same time being able to develop the minutes, not just of Joey Carby, but maybe another player as well?
2: yeah that's it you've got to start putting a bit of trust into these players that they can step up to the mark and I know this tour is huge it's it's three games over in New Zealand it's it's a difficult for any squad to go over and win over in New Zealand so this is massive Um, but I think it, it's it's probably going over with those 42 players we have those outside games now but it's, it's also getting these guys into that the likes of Carberry getting them into that starting line there's someone else you might like to see him getting maybe a bit more game time in at centre because we've seen in the past when it comes to World Cup that sometimes it's in when when players get injured, we don't have anyone with the experience to to fall in there. So it's getting that kind of balance in these games, and I think it is possible. I think it's maybe start the the best team that you that finished that Six Nations in his opinion, and then start getting proper game time. Like I I thought maybe at the weekend I would have liked to see Gar- Carberry get a little bit more game time against the Scottish team. I thought maybe fifty minute marker would have been good to to bring him on, but but it it's it's getting him in, get him it, he has to be able to control the game because we know Johnny can do it any day of any week. He, he just interlinks with these guys. He's connecting with the back line. And when we saw he wasn't around, that's when we saw that it wasn't happening. So we need to be able to be comfortable going into World Cup that if something does happen to any of these players, like we saw with Dan Sheehan with Kellers, you can put your hand up and walk straight into that position.
0: And Bernard, uh, before we wrap up on the men's Six Nations, it would be pretty poor of us not to mention Italy getting that long-awaited win against Wales at the weekend and just in what style they did it. Like, you know, we had Michael Bradley on a few weeks ago. I know you were on that call as well, and we were talking about the, the challenges facing Italy. And look, they still have a long road ahead of them in the future, but that was just, it was a truly special moment on Saturday. And the way they did it as well, the, the type of try it was.
1: Yeah, look, at it, it's brilliant for them and to see the the relief. I mean, it's not easy go week in, week out, and, and suffer losses um, like like they have, and staying staying together. And and I think um, Crowley has, has has brought through some of those youngsters, um, and I think that they've also been quite pragmatic in how they play. So the try was brilliant, um, and it was a moment of magic. And and but if you look at actually what they did to be in the game, you know, to be in within the score the last couple of minutes was based on very strong defense, um, you know, very good kicking game, decent set piece, huge work rate and, and energy to break down. And they actually outworked Wales in in the millennium or principality. And that's what's driving the 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 Welsh public mad and I think the, the Welsh pundits is that, you know, it's taken as a given that Wales show up um at home and, and just didn't seem to be there mentally. So I think it was brilliant. It's a phenomenal try, and I think the big thing as well is, I mean, Andre Capuso, He's he's playing. He's signed for Toulouse next year, so he's going to be winning games. Um, you know, most weeks with Toulouse. Garbisi now is is at Montpellier, top of the top fourteen. I, I think that getting five or six of their players playing outside of Italy, um, coming back in with fresh ideas, with with confidence, with belief, but on top of obviously haven't got a, a finally got a win. Um I think it's massive, but I still think the Federation, Italian Federation needs to invest in in Zebra and and Benetton more. We saw it's a good crop of under twenties, but what environment are they going into? Um but definitely it's a it's a positive and the moment of the Six Nations for me um was that last minute try, to be honest. i seeing seen Italy win.
2: Yeah,
0: certainly. Fiona, you couldn't possibly pick a different moment of the Six Nations yeah. decision.
2: I could I could pick the same moment with the Ness and Dorma music in the <laughs> background playing um, no it was it was just brilliant to watch I, I had left the pub um, with 10 minutes to go I had met friends there uh, to try and get up to the Aviva and and I actually missed it so I was watching it back over my phone and it was so good and it was it was the energy that they brought throughout the game before I left especially in the fence they're an exciting team the 20s beating Wales as well I I, I I wouldn't know much about investment like Bernard does but it's definitely a team going to right direction
0: yeah and very quickly before we move on from the from the men's championship the uh, player of the tournament nominees came out there a couple of days ago as well so we've got two French players Greg Aldridge and Antoine DuPont Josh van der Fleer from Ireland Bernard who are you going with I know I'm just I'm not giving an answer because I'm still unhappy that Cyril Boy isn't isn't included but <laughs> who, who are you
1: yeah. uh, I'm actually going to go with Aldrich, um because DuPont is obviously already world player of the year he gets a lot of accolades um, he's captain his team to a grand slam. I think Aldridge bar a couple of errors against um against Wales uh, under the high ball, I, I just think he's been incredibly uh, effective. He's not a big man yet. He he wins a lot of collisions. Um he's a brilliant offloader. Uh and someone yeah, someone I think is 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 at the top of his game at the moment. So from Josh One has been has been excellent as well. But um yeah, I, I think Aldrich, when you look back over the, the five games he's played, um, I think he deserves it
0: who gets your call Fiona or have they completely missed your favourite?
2: <laughs> I thought I might have seen Hugo Keenan in there he was he was pretty awesome as well no look I thought Josh van der Fleer was, was absolutely outstanding I watched him I watched him live from the I'd just seen his work right around the pitch he, he was everywhere he was like a terrier it's great to see it's the perfect seven but, but I agree with Bernard I think Aldrich he's just an immense ball carrier few knock-ons even the, the pundits talking on the Wales match were in shock uh, when he done that so that just sh- show, goes to show the type of character and player he is so, so I think he's a definite, I think DuPont has enough now so hopefully we'll see some uh, forwards getting accolades
0: Yeah, DuPont needs to share the love a little bit more. <laughs> Moving on to the TikTok Women's Six Nations kicks off this weekend, Ireland's against, Ireland against Wales at the RDS, is 4.45 this Saturday, there's a live commentary there on RT Radio 1 as well by the way on Saturday Sport but Fiona, be honest, was the, the big news of the week is obviously that Nicola Friday was confirmed as the captain for the tournament she was probably she was probably high up the list of candidates. It was probably the, you know, the it was probably the favorite choice, I would imagine. Was she the right the right choice?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I think um in the last maybe the last year or so, I think she's she's taken kind of control of running that line out and she's been uh the caller and and she took over from ethan McDermott and seems to have really stepped up to the mark listening to the girls at camp and stuff. She's really stepped up to the mark and and has taken a lot of ownership on herself. Um I, I personally thought that because she'd gone over to play in, in Exeter that you know I know Greg was kind of looking at players at home and stuff like that, so so I thought that might have gone against her when he was choosing captain but but she's a great choice she's a real leader and she does what she, she does the business on the pitch but it's also the 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 non-visible work as you say you wouldn't be talking about her a lot in, the, in a game of rugby, but it's in the rocks and the clear outs and she's doing a lot of off the ball work
0: it's probably it's it's a bit of an unenviable job i would say coming in as captain for for this season where you know, look, let's be honest, we're starting from a, a lower base than we would have been in previous years. And you're following on from someone like Kira Griffin. So it's been a difficult couple of years. And I imagine it's going to be challenging for for any captain, whether it was Nicola Friday or, or anybody else, to, to come in and, and start this journey now with this new team.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm not too sure and difficult. I think it's actually it's 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 a good time to get in. It's you know, you're you're almost starting a new chapter on a book. Um you've you've a new coach, you've new coaching philosophies. We're going to see a new style of play, I'd imagine. I know Greg is massive on ball and play. We're going to see high tempo attacking Robbie. So for her to come in as as a captain, I think pressure's off because as you said, there's not Neil, there's not a lot of expectation because of the previous games we've seen him play. So she can get in there. She's had her back from Kira Griffin. I was talking to Kira Kira's delighted with her with the choice that, that was made. And I think she's she's a good kind of personable person that um the players can go to with issues. And and Greg as well would be someone who's similar. So I think it's the start of something nice. And I think it's it's good for her to represent her country because she's now got the experience, she's gathered that up over the last few years, and she's definitely the right candidate.
0: And Bernard, what's what's the Greg McWilliams style of rugby? What will we be expecting to see from Ireland over the next six, seven weeks that, that's maybe a little bit different to what it was under Adam Griggs?
1: Um, yeah, I think as Fiona said, he, he's all about, he, he's basically researched all the, the top women's teams in the world and, and uh, the leagues they play in, and he's identified that we were a little bit behind in terms of the ball and play time that our, our players were, were subject to um, domestically and uh, international level. So um, to do that, you need to have um, decent structures in attack and attacking defense. You need to have the skill set to be able to to keep the ball or win the ball. And then also you need the fitness level. So um, I, I think he's been working and speaking to the coaches in, in the AIL. Um, obviously he's going to have to liaise with some of the coaches now in the in the English league because there's so many of our players go, uh, starting to go over there. Um, and I think he's going to have to, I suppose, fail, to be honest, to, to, to succeed. So it's going to be a big change. Um, it should lead to some, you know, really attractive attacking rugby, but unfortunately it's probably going to be that sticky point. Um, till we become good at it uh, where, um, there might be some frustrating evenings or or, or, or or afternoons where it doesn't stick and, and and we struggle a little bit. But the way it is is obviously he's in a different cycle than everybody else, not being the next World Cup, so he has more time. And um, I, I believe that if he gets if he gets time, um, you know he will make a significant change to uh, to our fortunes on the pitch.
0: Yeah, it's something burners to their Fiona. Is that something that we kind of have to brace ourselves for that? There's going to be a few bad days, whether it happens in this championship or later on in the year. But, you know, there are going to be there are going to be some tough days.
2: Yeah, I think there I think there will be. Um, I think it's good that we're obviously starting afresh. Um, on looking my personal opinion, on looking at the team, I, I I'm looking for big ball carriers. There might have been a less less in this squad than I've seen in the past. I know Kalina Maloney's gone. We've Lindsay Pete has since retired. Um, you know, so so it's it's definitely an area that 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 people are used to going back to that power game and it mightn't be somewhere that this Irish team might be able to go because if things start to go wrong skill set wise or are handling errors, but, but I think it's, it's his style and the way he implements it and, and his characteristics and how we can talk to players. I think it, it he will build up that. And I think in maybe the next year or so, we will see some really, really good attacking Robbie. Hopefully it's, it's, it's this six nations, but I just know they've maybe only had four or five camps. So it's, it's not been as long as you'd like him to, to have those players to be implement his plan that he would have in place.
0: And Birch, from a coaching point of view, what what's it like or, or have you kind of experienced the situation where you're coming into a new team and, you know, things haven't necessarily been good for a couple of years. There have been a lot of key leaders and, you know, star players who've either retired, moved on to other clubs or things like that. What's that like when you're coming in and having to to lead from the transitional phase?
1: Yeah, it's very difficult. I think you got to settle. Sell your vision, so um, it's quite similar. So when I went to the Dragons, um, obviously, well, they'd only won two games the year before. The club was for sale for four years. A lot of the players who had ambitions had left. Um, Confidence was low and also fitness levels and and athleticism was very low. So we we went about trying to change that um, and try to go from being the lowest the, the the lazy not laziest, the the least hardest working team in, in Wales to the team who, who worked the hardest and, and based that around sports science and, and data. And uh, we got a lot of injuries to be honest. Everybody broke down as 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 normally happens when you spike the workload. So um and we had a very small squad and we had to pick a lot of players who maybe weren't ready for it. But that's the that's the challenge with change. So um but I think that Greg look at Craig has obviously been here before as an assistant. He's gone away you know he's worked in a com- in a country where there is challenges in terms of resources you know with his job in, in in uh in Harvard um with his job in with America it's not easy so he he knows how difficult it is to build something so i think that's a help as well because um sometimes if you don't understand that and you're used to having everything perfectly in place it's it's a um it's a big mind mind block to try and overcome that so I, I think he's uh, and he's a people person as well so he's out there engaging with people he's listening learning um, he'll bring people with him so I'd be very hopeful that um, I, I'm very confident he's the right man for the job how high that can bring the team I'm not sure obviously there's there's obviously a massive bias towards England and France but certainly to be the best of the rest over the next two or three years um, in terms of home nations for me is is where we should be targeting
0: yeah, is is that something you'd agree with Fiona? Like, what's the what's the realistic short and long term ambitions? I
2: suppose short term um, is is to start winning home games, you know, especially uh, this year in, in particular. I know like you might think maybe we haven't beaten, you know, Wales or our track record. Sorry, in the last couple of years against Italy, Wales and uh, Scotland hasn't been great at times, but I think he has a chance and the girls, the skill is out there. The skill set is out there. He's a good mix of the seven, some of the seven players have been included um, are playing rugby. You know, everyone's playing rugby now. That's the difference I think between this squad and the last squad. We have girls playing week in, week out. They're fit. They're ready to go, and and hopefully we'll see them out there. So short term, I think you'd be looking at winning maybe maybe those home games Um, long-term, obviously qualifying for a world cup is the next world cup is, is the big thing. And there's that kind of world series games as well. Um, That they, I think you have to come in the top three in the six top nations. Three, yeah. Yeah. So that is obviously a goal that Greg will have to focus. And I actually thought it was this six nations, but I think Fiona Coughlin told me it's, it's, it's judged after the next six nations. So he has time to work with.
0: And just on Wales then as well, Fiona, before we move on, like, Ireland gave them quite a bad beating last year in Cardiff, but since then they've obviously gone through their own
2: yeah.
0: uh, restructuring off the off the pitch. They've brought out professional contracts. Is is that still very much in the infancy, like in terms of results? We're going to see. Are we going to see a far better Welsh team than we saw last year, or are mm-hmm. they still making their slow slow steps along in no, progress?
2: No, I definitely think you're going to see a, a much stronger Welsh team. I think there was a lot of issues uh, going on behind the scenes um, in that Welsh squad and talking to some of the players and some of the, the staff members. So um, they seem to have sorted that out. It's probably they've been training really well together. We we, we we saw the contracts, but a lot of those Welsh girls are playing with Bristol Bears over in England and they're top, if not second, maybe of the premiership at the minute. They're playing a really good Brand rugby, and I think that will transfer onto that Welsh team as well.
0: Very good. So that game kicks off 4.45 this Saturday at the RDS Ireland against Wales. Live commentary, as I said, on RT Radio 1. Um, one person I want to talk about this week as well, guys, Devin Toner announced his retirement on Monday. I think it was, it was probably expected this season. A lot of people thought it might even have been last season and he surprised us all by signing a contract fairly late in the day. But Bernard, you would have played with him uh, back in the day. Did you see him going on to play... 400 million games for Leinster over the course of his career and winning 60 plus Ireland caps?
1: No, we, 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 I certainly didn't. And um, it was interesting at the time, uh, he wasn't the player that he he became. And I think certainly um, there was probably frustration sometimes when he got picked uh, to play because he just hadn't really grown into himself. Uh, and uh, I remember Michael Cheke. You know, saying that Gert Small was putting pressure on that we we gave him game that Lenser gave him game time because they could see the big picture and what he could become, and and he certainly did become that. He became a, a top top player, and his CV is is phenomenal and incredibly well liked, incredibly well respected. Um, and yeah, also the durability is shown. I mean, to be the record capped Leinster player is is an accolade in itself. Never mind all the silverware. Um, that he that he's got. So uh, look at the, he he worked really hard at his game, and I'm sure he'll he'll bring the same attributes to it, to his next career. But um, yeah, a, a legend in in an Irish Leinster jersey.
0: Yeah, and Fiona, like as Birch kind of alluded to there, a pretty good example of sticking at it because early on in his career he was he was you know quite widely derided as as just being this this really tall player this you know, very, very strong player. And, you know, people said he didn't necessarily have the have the tools to be a, a test second row. And in the end he proved a lot of people wrong.
2: Oh, he definitely proved a, a lot of people wrong, and especially on that that Leinster team as well. I think he he excelled at a ball carrying. A lot of people talked about in his in his latter years. A lot of people talked about him being stopped in a contact when when he was hitting when he was getting tackled. But he he really worked in his footwork, and I saw that kind of late in his career. And I was like, oh my God, there's a resurgence of a, of a big man here. But what a career! Like what a guy. Um, you know, it, it just goes to show Leinster keeping him on for that extra year. What he brings to the dressing room. Him and what he brings to the, to the training pitch and a uh, big congratulations to him and hopefully he can go on and do some great things elsewhere.
0: Yeah, he may or may not be playing this Saturday, Leinster against Connacht or Connacht against Leinster, I should say, is Saturday evening at the sports ground. That's live on RT2 the RT player as well. But Bernard, on that game, it's obviously the pick of the URC URC matches this weekend. Uh, the first of a few weeks of Interpro games, we've got Leinster and Munster as well next week, but it's a pretty crucial game for Connacht, particularly off the back of that hammering they took against Edinburgh a few weeks ago. And obviously, they're in a, an almost unique position where they've got Leinster three out of the next four games they're going to be playing. But is it fair to say that the Leinster team they're playing this weekend is not necessarily going to be the Leinster team they're playing in two or three weeks' time?
1: Oh, absolutely. Look, at the Le- Leinster's internationals, I'm sure, we will get this weekend off. So um, it is an opportunity to... Get back on track. I mean, they'd be so disappointed with that Edinburgh game. They've had, you know, Edinburgh, Glasgow, um, Glasgow at home, the Dragons at home this year, where they didn't really pitch, and um, it'd be driving Andy Friend and Jack Carty and Bundyaki et cetera crazy because they're trying to get rid of that tag of being inconsistent. Um, and on, when you have performance like that in Edinburgh, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna um, sh- get you know shed that. So this is a big opportunity for him. We saw it'd probably be a similar Leinster team to team, the one that played Ulster and lost in Ravenhill a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it's a big, big chance for Connacht because look at the, the European games are, they're, they're challenging themselves in a different type of challenge. But let Connacht needs your, our URC points. And um, this is, this is a massive chance for them. Unfortunately, they've put themselves in a situation where if they don't get a win this weekend, it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to, to make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, as as Andy Friend said, Fiona, like they have five league, five regular season games left. They need to win four of those. Ideally, they want to be winning five to, to really make sure they're of their place. But they have to be winning four of these next five games. And it all starts with as tough as it's going to get Leinster this weekend.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a massive game for them, but you'd be hoping they'd be coming off that the back of that end by the It was like a, a kind of team I hadn't seen all the season. The, the handling errors, the uh, fence was really soft. It, it was a crazy game, and... and to be fair to Andy Friend, he came in, out and acknowledged afterwards that it wasn't really good enough, and they have to be getting points. And I think to take Leinster, this is probably the game where they could catch him. A lot of guys will be rested. Obviously, we've seen um, a rotating Leinster squad through the last few games, but but this is the one where, obviously, Connacht, if they're if they're up for it, and if, they, if they're they fully loaded, I think it will definitely be a cracking game of rugby.
0: Yeah, hopefully. Here's hoping for that anyway. That's uh, Saturday evening, 7.35 kickoff. And Bernard as well also this weekend. Ulster down in South Africa. They're against the, the Stormers in Cape Town. And it's going to be really interesting because we've seen the South African teams really, you know, hit back over the last few weeks when the, the Northern Hemisphere teams have gone down to them. They've won eight out of eight games against the, the, the Celtic teams, Celtic and Italian teams. But the squad Ulster have sent down to South Africa is on another level to what Munster have been able to send down, to what Cardiff and the Scarlets and Zebra have been able to send down over the last few weeks.
1: This is the strongest Northern Hemisphere team that's gone down. Um, and Ulster, obviously, on the back of a, a really good run of, of, of games, you know, the psychological boost of having gone back-to-back wins against Leinster. And, yeah, they'll, they'll see this as an opportunity to go away from, from home and, and pick up points. So it'll be fascinating. And also, for the Stormers, if they can beat Ulster now with the team they've sent down, it's another sign that these South African teams, away from home in particular, are going to be incredibly difficult to beat.
0: Yeah it's been good for the for the league over the last few weeks Fiona that you have had the Stormers Sharks and Bulls work their way up now into the playoff positions and like there's just it just makes the league look a hell of a lot more competitive across yeah, the board
2: yeah, that's what we wanted because people were talking about, you know, these teams coming over and on the back of big losses. So it just goes to show you when they're at home and farmers settle, people forgot that they had to travel away from home for a very long time and stay on the road. And, and that can hit players differently. So I think it's great for the league. I think some of the teams are really strong. I know the Lions aren't up there, but they they like they, Munster couldn't keep up with them last week and we saw that Bulls first half performance in particular um was was great against Munster as well I think the Stormers game Ulster will be the one to watch I'm not too sure I think they're away to the Bulls the following week yeah. but Ulster but Ulster then have to go over to Toulouse so i will be wondering what uh, type of squad they'll send out for that Bulls game but I certainly think they will put out a full strength squad for the Stormers
0: and just before we wrap up then, Munster and Benetton is the Friday night game this week. Munster, obviously, two losing bonus points uh, in South Africa. One of those games where they pulled the losing bonus point out of the bag and another one where they, they pretty much threw a win away after the start they had. But moving on from South Africa and into the almost final third of the season coming up, it's going to be interesting, Bernard. Jason Jenkins back in full training with Munster this week and he's played, what, 20 minutes off the bench. Uh, through just a series of relatively minor injuries. It's not, He it hasn't even been one significant injury that's kept him out. It's been three or four little things. But if they can get him you know, playing consistently over these next, these final eight, ten games that they might have left across all competitions, is he potentially a game-changing player for them over what's left of this season?
1: Well, Leinster think he is anyway. That's why they've, they've signed him. Um, and Munster, in fairness, you know, thought he was. They, they, Munster in a much better place I think the young players that we've kind of highlighted over the last couple of years are now starting to get more regular game time and showing what they can do you know the release for example Candelen um, are now are, are, are now fit have all played you know a decent amount of of domestic games where you have no worries about them and I, I think that they're in a good place in terms of their depth plus obviously Jenkins coming in could be massive particularly you know um for Exeter and, and for maybe knockout stages of, of the URC, um, he could give them. You know, we we know the famous Victor Matfield interview where he said Johan, you know, was was struggling with the lack of power. well Jenkins is going to give him another option there, and uh, it will be interesting to see if if he if his influence can can help Munster go from being semi finalists regularly or, you know, knocking around finals but not getting silverware to actually getting a, a trophy.
0: Yeah, Fiona is it essentially just like having a new signing for the final third of a season?
2: I'm I'm not too sure. I'm going to go away from that. I'm not too sure he he should be getting too much game time. You you spoke about the the young guys there. You know they've they've put their hand up. They're fighting for back row positions. Kendell and Hadnett. They've all made big big influence when they've come onto the pitch. Um, Peter O'Many. Obviously, we did the starting guys, Jack O'Donoghue. So, so I'm not too, too sure how much game time he he will get in the last eight games. You know, he, he's obviously there. He's a powerful ball carrier, but going away at the end of the season as a Munster team, do you want to be kind of investing that game time in, in him when you have young guys waiting to chomping at the bit to get on that pitch? So, I'm gonna I'm gonna be devil's advocate here and say maybe he shouldn't get on that much and <laughs> leave him off to Leinster <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very. Very un- A very impartial <laughs> answer there. <laughs> <finish things> off. <laughs> no sense to me at all. But listen, great stuff as always. Keona Hayes and Bernard Jackman. That's it for this week's RT Rugby Podcast. Uh, just to remind you as well, that uh, Connacht against Leinster game, that's going to be live on RT2 and RT Player this week. And it's going to be uh, live commentary as well on RT Radio 1, as well as the TikTok Women's Six Nations game between Ireland and Wales. at 445 on Saturday, but from the RT Rugby Podcast, we'll see you again next week. The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.